The local government news roundup is proudly supported by Davidson. For 30 years, Davidson has been strengthening the local government sector by identifying and providing the people, expertise and experience that local government needs to enhance its capability, productivity and performance. Davidson is nationally recognised for its executive recruitment services and over the past four years has built a business advisory practice rapidly evolving into one of the nation's foremost and trusted local government business consultancy firms. The Davidson methodology and approach is simple. Thinking beyond now and aiming to be a valued partner with your local government, not just for the immediate project, but for the next 30 years. Speak to Justin Hanney or Seamus Scanlon to find out more or head to davidsonwp.com.au. Davidson, your future, your partner. Hello, you've found the midweek update from the Local Government News Roundup. This is Chris Eddy coming to you from the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. And on the podcast today, the City of Melbourne votes for stability with its choice of a new CEO. A release date revealed for the long-awaited Operation Sandon report. A regional council closes its public gallery while another is challenged in the Supreme Court for a similar decision. An independent review into the financial model for local government in New South Wales to get underway soon. A controversial childcare decision at a Sydney council while a rural council might soon be coming out of administration. And the first UK council to trial a four-day working week ordered to stop it. And there's much more ahead in this latest update from the Local Government News Roundup. Welcome to the podcast wherever you're listening around Australia or around the world. The Local Government News Roundup is brought to you by the Victorian Local Governance Association. Here are just some of the Victorian Council-related stories making news since our last episode. Melbourne City Council has appointed Alison Layton as its Chief Executive Officer. Ms Layton has served as Acting CEO since the departure of Justin Hanney from the position last October. She's been with the City since August 2020 when she joined as a General Manager. Six months later, Ms Layton was promoted to Deputy CEO. Her previous roles have included CEO at Bourbon Shire Council and Chief Operating Officer at Mornington Peninsula Shire Council. Lord Mayor Sally Capp said Ms Layton brings stability, confidence and a proven record of delivery to the role. The long-awaited IBAC report looking into alleged serious corrupt conduct in planning and property decisions in the city of Casey is expected to be released later this month. The Operation Sandon report will be tabled in Parliament on the 26th of July, according to a report from The Australian. Witnesses involved in the matter have reportedly been told of the pending release in a letter from IBAC sent last week. The newspaper predicts a flurry of last-minute legal action from witnesses to attempt to prevent the report from being made public. This week's meeting of La Trobe City Council was held in an online format after months of disruptive behaviour by members of the public. In a statement released last week, the council announced the move as being essential to maintain a conducive and respectful environment for all attendees. It said consideration of reopening the public gallery would occur in the coming months following assessment of appropriate measures to enable respectful and effective decision-making. 
The Latrobe decision comes as Yarra Ranges Shire Council announced it would be reopening its meetings to a public gallery next week after having made a similar decision to close it in April. That decision is now at the centre of Supreme Court action brought by Darren Dixon, a man associated with the fringe group My Place, which has been disrupting meetings at a number of councils over recent months. The Age reports that the matter reached the Supreme Court this week, with Mr Dixon asserting that the council has failed to engage the community adequately over a design framework for the town of Monbulk. The matter has now been set for a one-day trial on the 3rd of August. Three Melbourne councils are partnering to deliver a jobs and investment boost in the eastern suburbs. Knox, Maroondah and Yarra Rangers have developed a strategy to ensure the Bayswater Business Precinct continues its growth as an economic powerhouse. It's the second largest employment precinct in the eastern metropolitan region, with over 5,000 businesses employing more than 30,000 people. The Joint Council strategy includes the creation of a business heart and a coordinated land use plan, and it aims for improved private, freight and public transport. The CEO of Strathbogie Shire Council has issued a statement to correct inaccuracies and misleading information circulating in the community about Kerwin's Bridge. The bridge has been closed to traffic since late last year, and there's been a strong campaign from locals for it to be reopened. CEO Julie Salomon said the council has an engineering report that has found the bridge is structurally compromised and is not safe for use by vehicular traffic. The council is working with a community panel and considering the options of replacement with a replica bridge or extensive structural repairs and strengthening works. But it says whatever the final decision, it will need assistance with funding from other levels of government. Featuring in the media this week is Port Phillip City Council, which has received the A Current Affair treatment over a proposal to locate a public toilet near a primary school. Residents don't want the toilet near the school due to fears it will attract drug users and other antisocial behaviours. The council says the location was chosen last year after considering more than 18 sites for the toilet, which it says is needed in the busy Fitzroy Street precinct. The council is due to consider whether it will continue with the plan at this week's council meeting. Let's look briefly at more Victorian Council news. The countback to fill an extraordinary vacancy on Indigo Shire Council has been set for 10am Wednesday the 9th of August. The vacancy was created last week with the resignation of Larry Goldsworthy, who said he'll now be focusing on his role as a full-time police officer. The extraordinary vacancy on Strathbogie Council, created by the resignation of David Andrews, will be filled through a countback procedure to be held on Wednesday the 12th of July at 10am. Monash City Council has announced 14 new dog off-leash areas in the city, with a further eight being expanded or reduced after a review of its dog off-leash policy. The city now has a total of 45 off-leash areas, catering to a continued increase in the number of registered dogs in Monash. The third member of the Moira Shire Council panel of administrators officially starts duty this week. Dr Graham Emmonson takes up his appointment on the 5th of July, joining Susanna Sheed, who commenced last month, and Chair Administrator John Tanner, who was in the role until December. A 30-year partnership between Kingston City Council and the Hawthorne Football Club is set to deliver a boost for community sport. The council will contribute $5 million to a new community oval and pavilion at the Hawks Dingley Village headquarters in return for 20 hours per week of community use, with the football club managing the ongoing maintenance and upkeep. 
And this year's TAC Local Government Grants Program has been launched. Councils can apply for up to $30,000 for road safety analysis projects and infrastructure grants up to $100,000 with a matching contribution from the council. Applications are due by the 9th of August. You're listening to the Local Government News Roundup with Chris Eddy. Let's now look a little further afield with our national roundup, starting in New South Wales, where the local government minister, Ron Honig, has confirmed that an independent review of the financial model for councils will proceed. A spokesman for the minister confirmed to the Sydney Morning Herald that terms of reference for the review are being prepared currently. The review was an election commitment from Labor while in opposition. It would be separate to the review of the rate peg methodology that's currently being conducted by the Independent Pricing and Regulatory Tribunal. A draft report from the IPART review is said to support a broader independent review of the state's local government finance model. At least 10 New South Wales councils have now formally resolved to support the Yes campaign for an Indigenous voice to Parliament, prompting criticism from some quarters about whether it's an appropriate use of ratepayer dollars. The Daily Telegraph this week reports that councils like Randwick and Sydney are supporting the Yes campaign with budget allocations, some councillors suggesting the stance could alienate parts of the community. The debate at Randwick reportedly became fiery, with opposition from Liberal councillors. The Daily Telegraph asked all 128 councils in the state about their position, with just 10 confirming a formal resolution in support of the yes vote and many stating that they had no formal position as yet. A constitutional law expert has confirmed that councils are free to back a side of the debate, having implied freedom extending from the constitution to all political communication. Willoughby Council has pressed ahead with a plan to outsource the running of its last council-run childcare centre. The decision to transition the centre to a private operator was made on the casting vote of the Mayor, Tanya Taylor, who said it was a win for families, staff, residents and ratepayers. A community campaign culminated with over 300 people in attendance at the council meeting to witness the council make its decision. The Devonshire Street Child Care Centre in Chatswood has been under council operation for 36 years and it's been running at a loss of more than $350,000 per annum, requiring investment of over $400,000 to come up to current standards. The Daily Telegraph reports that the United Services Union is lobbying councillors to bring forward a rescission motion in an attempt to overturn the decision. Central Darlingshire Council may soon be cleared to return to elected representatives after a decade under administration. The ABC reports that discussions have been held between Shire representatives and the local government minister about the potential for elections to be held next year. The last group of councillors was dismissed in 2014 amid allegations of financial mismanagement. From Queensland, a North Queensland council is seeking to have a drowning case dismissed by the Supreme Court. The case involves the drowning deaths of a father and son at the Airlie Beach Lagoon in 2018. The Whitsunday Regional Council and the operators of the Lifeguard Service were charged in 2020 for breaching their obligations under the Work Safety and Health Act. However, the council argues they've been charged under the wrong legislation and that the operation of the lagoon is governed by the Safety in Recreational Water Activities Act instead. 
ABC News has reported that the council's application to have the case permanently stayed was rejected by a magistrate, prompting them to apply to the Supreme Court to quash that decision. The council has also requested a declaration that the Proserpine Magistrates Court does not have jurisdiction over the matter. The Supreme Court hearing is scheduled for Friday, while the Proserpine Magistrates Court matters have been adjourned until September. A civil claim by the mother of the victims was settled out of court in May. To Western Australia, where WA Today reports on the latest council forced to alter its waste arrangements due to a delay with a new waste-to-energy facility. The $700 million facility at Quinana was meant to be operational by the end of 2021, but it's now unlikely to be up and running before late 2024. The City of South Perth last week met in a closed session to consider changes to its waste supply agreements, following similar moves by at least six other councils, including Gosnells, Mandura and Canning. The councils, for the most part, say the delay will not cause them to incur additional costs, with existing landfill arrangements to remain in place until the new facility comes online. Some national news briefs for you now. Cumberland Council in New South Wales has signed a new two-year partnership with the Parramatta Eels National Rugby League women's team. A state-of-the-art stadium in Granville will be the official training ground for the team and will be the base for its women's rugby league development programs aiming to engage and inspire the local community. The Tasmanian government has launched a new grants program for local government to make improvements to public open spaces. It's aimed at encouraging more physical activity and promoting a more active lifestyle for Tasmanians. All 29 Tasmanian councils are eligible to apply for a share of the $5 million pool of funds. And an e-scooters trial will start this week in Springfield in Queensland's city of Ipswich. Hire company Beam has been engaged to run a six-month pilot program with the distinctive purple machines to be launched on Springfield streets this Saturday. Now on the Local Government News Roundup, it's time for the International Spotlight. Indeed it is, starting in the UK with a bit of a surprise this week where a local council in Cambridgeshire, which has been experimenting with a four-day working week, is now seeking a meeting with government ministers after they ordered the end of the experiment. South Cambridgeshire District Council had planned to extend the trial through to next April, but it's been ordered by a government minister to end it immediately. Council leader Bridget Smith has defended the scheme, saying it had helped address the council's reliance on expensive agency staff. However, Minister Lee Rowley expressed concerns about the value for money for taxpayers and stated that the model was inappropriate for local authorities. He's also suggested that it could be in breach of the council's legal duties. The levelling up secretary, Michael Gove, has thrown his support behind the minister's position, saying he's a strong believer that council staff should work a five-day week. The Department for Leveling Up Housing and Communities will be issuing guidance on the matter soon. The Council of the Orkney Islands will this week consider a proposal to break away from the UK and potentially become a part of Norway. Concerns about a lack of fair funding from the UK and Scottish governments has led to a motion before the Council to investigate alternative forms of governance, according to a report from the BBC. One possible model is to emulate the Faroe Islands, which is a self-governing territory of Denmark. A previous discussion in 2017 stopped short of backing full independence. Orkney has been part of Scotland since 1472 and was previously under Norwegian and Danish control. 
to Portugal. The Mayor of Lisbon has been accused of obstructing the construction of that country's first memorial to victims of slavery. The memorial, proposed by Portugal's Association of African Descendants, was meant to be erected in a central square near Lisbon's Tagus River. However, the project has faced delays with the Mayor's Office requesting changes to the construction materials and the budget. The Mayor's Office has proposed a new location for the memorial, but the Association has accused them of boycotting the project. The Mayor's Office denies the accusations and says they're working with the Association to find a solution. Portugal's role in the transatlantic slave trade is often overlooked and the memorial aims to raise awareness of this history. Now to North America, where a former council member in Godley, Texas, Jennifer Thompson, has filed a lawsuit against the ex-mayor, A.C. McGee, the city and multiple members of the city's law enforcement arm. Thompson alleges that McGee and the police conspired to violate her constitutional rights by arresting her outside City Hall in February. The arrest came after Thompson had been seeking answers about the city's finances and hiring practices for several months. According to Thompson, she was jailed, strip-searched and held for 24 hours. McGee denies the allegation, stating that he had no knowledge of the crime that Thompson was accused of until after she was taken into custody. More on that from NBC News. And if you're a mayor who likes the traditions that go with the office, well, here's one from Mexico that might inspire you. This week, in a small Mexican town, a mayor has conducted an age-old ritual to bring prosperity on two local communities. It's very simple and symbolic. All he had to do was marry a caiman which, if you're not aware, is a type of alligator. Yes, you heard correctly. The BBC has footage of the event where Mayor Victor Hugo Sosa wed a seven-year-old caiman called Little Princess. The ritual is said to symbolise the joining of two cultures. In case you're wondering, he did kiss the bride, but mercifully, Little Princess had her snout tied shut. It would be too easy to make a snouts in the trough joke there, so I'll resist that temptation and bring this one into land. Thanks for joining me on the Roundup. That's your latest for the 5th of July, 2023. If you do find the podcast useful, please consider leaving us a rating or a review on the app that you listen on, Apple Podcasts, for example, and you might also consider becoming a friend of the Roundup. Subscribers receive early access to special episodes and get access to the entire back catalogue of the podcast, and it's just a way of supporting the work that we do to bring you the Roundup twice a week. The local government news Roundup is recorded in the city of Greater Geelong, Victoria, on the land of the Wadawurrung people of the Kulin Nation. I'll be back soon with more. Until next time, thanks for listening and bye for now.